I've always been very big on be 1000% your authentic self. From jump, I've always, you know, my hair is always in twist or it's in a fro. That's kind of what you see is what you get. Um, I've never been, you know, one to feel like I have to change myself or wear a suit. You know how some people are like blink once if you're in danger. If you see me in a pantsuit, that's, that's like a cry for help. You are listening to You Are a Lawyer. I'm Kyla Denagno, a 2015 law school graduate. This episode is brought to you by me. <laughs> Seriously, I'm selling merchandise at shopyouarelawyer.com. That's where you can find water bottles, long and short sleeve t-shirts, and everything you need to support the You Are Lawyer podcast. So support your favorite lawyer's favorite podcaster and visit shopyouarelawyer.com to grab some merchandise. Bianca, welcome to the You Are Lawyer podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's so finally nice to talk to you finally after following you for so long. I know. So we have been Twitter friends for at least seven years. And I say yeah. that because I got out of law school in 2015 and I didn't pass the Louisiana bar and I was looking to commiserate with people online. And you had graduated before me. I think you were about to take the Massachusetts bar exam again. And that was when we connected. I was like, oh, she's cool. We, you know what I mean? I was like, let's follow each other. So I have to get that out of the way because we've been virtual buddies for a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's been so awesome seeing your journey to starting this podcast. And so I'm, I'm having a very like, look, mama, I made it moment because you felt like, you know, I'm cool enough to be on your podcast. It's awesome. <laughs> of course you are. You are like the original transparent the bar exam sucks, but look, I made it person, right? So yeah. we'll get all into that. And I don't want to like gloss over too much because the audience doesn't know you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Bianca Jordan, would you tell the audience who you are, where you live and what you do every day? Sure. So I'm Bianca Jordan. I am an immigration attorney. I live in Massachusetts. Um, unfortunately, I would love to live in the Caribbean, but for now I am stuck in Massachusetts. And um, I have two businesses. I have my law firm, Breeze and Legal, and then I have a consultancy called Rebel Immigration. So I do all of the things on social, um, on the law firm side, I help people navigate super complex immigration cases so they can get a green card. And then at Rebel Immigration, I help immigration attorneys show up as their go-to expert in their niche so they can have the confidence to charge more money and attract the clients they really want to work with. Yeah. So I've been seeing you all over social media, but I didn't realize Rebel Immigration was a separate business. So Mm -hmm. I think that's cool that you're actually coaching and teaching lawyers to do an even better job. Yeah, definitely. And I've been doing it like unofficially for years. And then my mom was like, okay, so the law degree you have, the MBA you got, your law license, all that was free because you're out here just helping these lawyers and not making any coins. And so I got sick of my mom dragging me for filth pretty much. So I was like, you know what, let me turn this into like an official business. So I did that a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I'm sure people were happy to pay you for your time because you know so much. Yeah. Yeah. So another little spoiler, you are Haitian. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can hear your Haitian mama like, really? You're doing yes. all this for free? Yes. All the time. Like to this day, she is still like dragging me for filth. And it's like, she's like, so you don't want to make any money? Like, and I'm like, but I want to help the people. And she's like, okay, so Sally May doesn't want to get money. So yeah. That's so funny. I love it. So Bianca, when you went to law school, did you intend to practice immigration law or was this something that just happened? Not at all. So um, like, so I've wanted to be an attorney since I was a kid. Um, too long, don't read version. I played the role of John Adams in 
the Boston Massacre during a seventh grade field trip, killed it, thought, I think I'm going to be a lawyer when I grow up, and I just followed through. But I had no idea what I wanted to actually do um, until law school. I just focused on international human rights law, international law, like your girl was trying to be a mall Clooney. And I was just trying to figure out how I can be some type of international human rights attorney. I did um, I did human rights work in the Dominican Republic to defend Haitians who are being mistreated there. Um, I had an opportunity to work with the United Nations in Tanzania, but I decided that I wanted to stay here. I wanted to figure out what could I do that's kind of like that that I could do here. And I just really dove into immigration. I did a clinic at my law school for a year. It was an immigration law clinic. I loved it. I had an internship. I loved it. And so I just figured this is human rights related enough where I could do that and just focus here. So that's what I did. So my brain is still stuck on you acting (laughs) and crushing it. And you did such a good job. And like, you were like, oh, okay, I can do this in real life. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I had no idea what an attorney did. It's just my teacher forced me to do it because I was shy and quiet. And so she was like, if you don't do this, I'm a doctor grade. And being Haitian American, I can't bring less than an A plus home. So I was like, you know what, let me just do this little thing. And I loved it. I didn't mess up. I normally at the time would have stage fright and be nervous. And that was the first time in my life that I had done something on the fly. It felt good. I could identify with representing the underdogs and winning. And so I decided I'm going to do this when I grow up. Yeah. So hmm, what am I trying to say? Would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Introvert, definitely. Okay. So I say that because you're a business owner, you're all over social media, and you represent people every day in a very visible way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like you do not have to be the biggest, loudest wildest extrovert to be a great attorney and to succeed and to get good results for your clients. So I love that you're telling us you're the shy person. You literally only did it for the grade and it turned into this whole thing. Yeah, definitely. You don't have to be super extroverted. I am very, like very, very introverted. Like once COVID hit and they were like, you got to stay home, wash your hands and avoid people. I'm like, I came into the world ready. Like I'm cool. Like I'm good. You're like, I've been waiting for this, not the COVID, but waiting to just stay home. Of course, of course, of course. Exactly. That's awesome. Okay. So you dropped a lot of gems there. I want to touch on after law school, did you end up working somewhere or did you go straight into opening your own business? Um, So I wanted to work somewhere um, and nobody was hiring me. Like I applied to over 500 jobs and everybody had Goldilocks syndrome. It was either I am overqualified because here I am an attorney with an MBA or I was underqualified because I literally just passed the bar. So nobody wanted me. I applied to over 500 jobs. Um, I was temporarily homeless right after, like two weeks after getting sworn into the bar. It was rough. And after a while, I was like, you know what? Like, let me just like start my own law firm. Like, what do I have to lose? I literally have nothing. Your girl had no money. I could barely afford my law license. Homelessness is not cute. So I was like, you know what? I'm already at rock bottom. Let me just put my shingle out there and tell people, hey, I'm an attorney come hire me. And they did. I mean, okay. That was a number of years ago, at least seven, maybe eight, nine. Yeah. About nine years, nine years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you remember what it was like? Not the homelessness part. I mean, you, you've touched on that and how difficult that was, but like, what was it like that first person you were like, Hey, you know, I'm a lawyer. You want to work with me? Like, were you terrified or or what? At first? Yeah. Because 
the only experience I had under my belt was the year in the immigration clinic and a summer internship at a nonprofit doing immigration work. Like that's all I had. And I only could handle two types of cases. I could help you with a VAWA case and a special immigrant juvenile case and maybe a little bit of asylum. And the first case that I got was an asylum case. It was for husband and wife. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that I needed to make money. So I was like, whatever I don't know, I'm going to figure it out. And so once they paid me, I was able to use that money to um, start my own website. I went to GoDaddy, got a website. Shout out to MySpace for teaching me how to code because I built my own website. And I was able to get my own business cards. And I kind of just like hit the ground running from there. I'm like, whatever I don't know, I'll just have to figure it out. If you didn't have that before, and we'll touch on that, I know you definitely learned how to make it work from law school, right? Between the research skills they give us, between all of the random assignments, between even the bar exam, you took the test, you didn't pass, what now, right? Even that is a test. What are you going to do? So I love that you were like, okay, I have a tiny bit of experience, but I know I can make it work. And you trusted yourself and you went out and did it. Yeah. That's pretty much all I did. And I just kind of tried to hit the ground running. They always tell you that. So first of all, spoiler alert for anybody thinking about going to law school that's listening to this. Law school doesn't teach you how to lawyer. They teach you the laws. But like once you pass the bar, you're kind of on your own because the machine is kind of like funneling people into big law. But a lot of people don't end up working for other people. They end up going out on their own for various reasons. And so I had to just try to figure out like, how can I lawyer? I wanted to work for someone so that I can kind of like learn how to lawyer, but I didn't have that opportunity. So I had to just figure it out myself. And marketing was my biggest challenge starting out. Yeah. And I think that marketing is many people's biggest challenge, right? Whether you're in a creative space or legal space, because you know, you can do the work, but how do I get you to pay me? And how do I get your attention so that you can Mm -hmm. even let me do the work? Right. So I think that you are a super creative person. For one, the glasses, look at you. I remember this Instagram post you put up with these like emerald green glasses. And I was like, oh my gosh, she gets it, right? (laughs) But also from, you know, getting into character when you had to play John Adams, um, you're a podcast host, a former podcast host. You know, I hope you get back into it. Do you bring your creativity into your practice as an immigration lawyer and a consultant? Absolutely. Um, So I always warn my clients. I'm like, I'm super quirky. Shenanigans run high. But I promise you, I know what it takes to get you that green card. And I bring a lot of levity and creativity into my practice because immigration is very emotional, very stressful. It's already super serious. So the last thing I want my clients to do is sit here super solemn, super serious, worried, stressed out. So I joke a lot. Like I'm very, I'm a jokester. I get it honestly from both of my parents. Both of my parents are like hilarious. Like that's why I'm the way that I am. So I bring a lot of that into my practice. And I'm very big on if the law doesn't say you cannot do something, then you kind of sort of can. And so sometimes Mm -hmm. I do have to come up with creative ways to, you know, get green cards for my married couples. Maybe you don't have any joint bank accounts together, but maybe, you know, you have a joint Amazon account or something. Like I can kind of think of different creative ways to help you get to where you need to get to without doing anything illegal or unethical. Yeah. So did you lean into your creative quirky shenanigans? (laughs) Was it easier to do that because you were running your own business? 
Definitely. I think so. Um, because I'm the boss, I can do whatever I want. And people who don't like that, they don't have to hire me. So um, definitely, it's easier when you're on your own, because you make the rules. Yeah, I love that, right? I can picture I wish your business card said what results with a side of shenanigans. Here you go. Right? Because yeah, that's definitely me. Yeah, right. Because like, when I was working in big law, I was on the operations and the staff side. But I wore the gray suit that was perfectly cut and the white blouse. And, you know, maybe I would like change my hair color or paint my nails a funky color. But for the most part, that monotony was expected. That was kind of what they wanted. And so one of the things that made me say, oh, I can go out and just podcast and create forever. Yes, because I get to do myself. I get to wear sweats and lipstick and be completely comfortable. Right. So I love that you found a way to do that while still advocating for others in the immigration space. You were like, I'll just run my own business. And then I have all of the best of all worlds. Yeah, absolutely. I've always been very big on be 1000% your authentic self. From jump, I've always, you know, my hair is always in twist or it's in a fro. That's kind of what you see is what you get. Um, I've never been, you know, one to feel like I have to change myself or wear a suit. You know how some people are like blink once if you're in danger. If you see me in a pantsuit, that's like a call for, that's like a cry for help because I don't wear suits. I mean, even when I go to court, I'll wear a nice dress or a skirt, throw a blazer on, but you'll never see me in like a Hillary Clinton pantsuit, like unless someone, unless my life is in danger or something. So I just like to bring my own creativity. And when I show up as my authentic self, I think it really does give other lawyers permission to do the same as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're definitely inspiring your clients, other lawyers that are watching, even people on social media, right? So we were talking marketing. So go on and drop your social media accounts and your website so that people can get more eyes on all of your content and find you even faster. Sure. So I'm brazen lawyer everywhere. Um, I live for the most part on Instagram, but I'm also on TikTok as well. Those are the two top platforms that I use. Okay. All right. Very cool. So quick commercial (laughs) for everyone that's watching on YouTube. Thank you so much for watching. I want to let you know this podcast is available audio only on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, anywhere else that you are listening to podcasts. And if you're not watching the You Are Lawyer podcast, I don't know why. (laughs) Check us out on YouTube, You Are Lawyer podcast, and you can find a ton of episodes with really cool lawyers. Okay. So, Bianca, I want to jump into your experience as a podcaster. Most recently, you were co-hosting a podcast called Legalish, which I absolutely loved. And it was your take with a co-host. What's his name, James? Mm-hmm. Okay, because I definitely listened. <laughs> it was you and James. And you guys would talk about legal issues, but you also would put an attorney spin on just like current trends and stuff. How did you like podcasting? Like, was it, what sparked the interest in it? I loved podcasting um, because, so first of all, I hope James is listening because I've been trying to get him to start podcasting with me again. And honestly, it's just our lives, busyness. Like, that's really why we stopped. But I've always liked podcasting. I think how I initially got the idea to even start podcasting um, Miley Teal, who's a founder and CEO of Curlbox, mm-hmm. back in the day, like she used to podcast before her podcast got to be what it is now, like back in like 2011 or so, she was just podcasting, just sharing her experience. And it was so helpful. And at the time, I figured, let me share my experience as an attorney. When I first became an attorney, my struggles were just really horrible, but I didn't see anybody else sharing their story. It was all 
lawyering is fun. It's all sunshine and rainbows. And, you know, I just got a job at my daddy's law firm. And that was the complete opposite of me. So my first podcast was actually a podcast called Mock Trials and Tribulations, where I was just kind of talking through a lot of the struggles that I had and some advice that I could impart on other lawyers like coming up and things like that. But I love podcasting. I actually want to get back into it either with James on this podcast or through a different one. But hopefully, maybe you can talk to James. Tell him you love the podcast <laughs> and maybe he'll listen. I'll send him a little care package because I actually launch podcasts and I manage them. So if you're too busy, skip the boring stuff, hire me and you just record, right? Like you're the talent. So yeah, I'll put a little bug in his ear. <laughs> so I remember my trials and tribulations. I didn't remember the name of it. For as long as I've known you, I definitely was a big stand of legal-ish because that was during the Rona, right? That was 2020-ish, 2019? Um, we originally started it like during the previous presidency, so we had a lot to talk about. Okay. Okay. All right. So when you were a kid, I know you said you wanted to have this big life, you know, grew up Haitian-American, what's going to happen? And then you got the spark for being a lawyer. Did you ever expect yourself to be here to be like leaning into your creative quirky side? Absolutely not. Um, I come from, you know, I'm a child of immigrants and they're very risk averse. The biggest risk they take is coming here. And then once they get here, they will, you know, they get a job and they're there until they retire. Like my mom, my mom is literally at the same job. She's been there for over 30 years. She's about to retire. I could never do that. Um, even if I wanted to do that, the way people be laying off people every other day, like you can't even stay at a job for that long anymore. And I just don't do well with like sitting in a cubicle working like that's just not my vibe. So I wanted to do something that would allow me the freedom to work how I want to make an impact, make an income, do good work, but on my terms, I don't do well with like, you know, micromanagers, people that don't let me express myself the way I want to. So I figured I really do just need to work for myself. And that's what I do with my law firm. Yeah. And how do you feel about marketing now? Do you find it a lot easier? Um, definitely. When I first started, you know, um, I would try to network with other attorneys because they always tell you your cases are going to come from referrals. And the attorneys that I would talk to wanted nothing to do with me because the first question they would ask is, well, where's your office? And I'd say, well, I don't have an office. I'm a virtual law firm. Um, I bring the law to you. And they were like, that's not a thing. Like, that's still not a thing. We're not going to refer cases to you. That's no. Um, and so I just leaned into Instagram and I just told people, hey, like, I'm an attorney. Here's how you can get in touch with me. And as Instagram started adding more features like video, I started doing video. And before you knew it, People in other states and countries were hiring me to help them with their immigration practice. And over time, I just expanded to like other platforms and whatnot. And then the Rona happened. And I was actually getting a lot more clients, not only because I was on social, but because a lot of lawyers, their clients would be calling saying, hey, I need access to my file or whatever. And they'd say, well, I can't go because the building is closed and I don't have access mm -hmm. to my files. I'm a paperless law firm, so I don't have that problem. I've been virtual since 2014. I didn't have to get ready for Corona. I was already doing it. So something that I started that I thought was a weakness for me, I didn't have money. I didn't have money for an office, um, a secretary, all that stuff, but I did it anyway. That actually became my biggest strength during COVID. And I saw a lot of, you know, like my law firm blew up during COVID because so many people came to me because I was already virtual. And I just doubled down on that messaging. I was like, I'm a virtual law firm. 
we can social distance and I can still get you that green card. And once I hit TikTok, like my law firm like really, really blew up. And a lot of those same lawyers that didn't like what I was doing in 2014, a lot of them actually ended up folding during COVID because they just couldn't figure it out soon enough. So for me now, marketing where I, you know, when I first started, it was more so I just got to tell people what I do so I can get money, so I can get cases through the door. Now I look at it as um, not so much just marketing, but it's also an access to justice initiative for me because there are so many legal deserts in this country, in the world, where people don't have access to attorneys. But if they have access to an internet connection, they can watch a video that I did on YouTube or they can come on when I'm live on Instagram and ask me a question. So it's not just about you know, marketing, like you're never going to find me dancing or doing anything on TikTok and stuff. For me, it's really about getting the information out there and encouraging other immigration attorneys to do the same too, so that they also can get out there and make an impact as well. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's so good. So you were the lone pioneer in 2014 and you ended up being the front runner because you already had it figured out. Like, that's the title of your biography. <laughs> or right something, there. I mean, so cool. I, something like that. And I mean, the Bible says something about the first shall be the last or the last shall be the first or something. So I, it's kind of like that. Like, I feel like nobody was rooting for me in 2014 um, because I wasn't doing things the way that you're supposed to do it. But I, I'm very big on finding your own way, finding your own path, just because there's one set way that everybody's always done something doesn't make it right. doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. You have to figure out what your own path is. And with attorneys, regardless of industry, um, you really have to pivot or perish. Like just because something's not working out for you doesn't mean you just give up. You got to figure out a way to pivot so that you can continue on. Like right now, so many lawyers are freaking out about AI, chat GPT. They think that our jobs are going to go away tomorrow because of that. Yeah, maybe your job will if you don't figure out a way to pivot and work with it, but you've got to be able to like hone in on what's happening before it's too late. A lot of lawyers who did not make it through COVID, it's because they pivoted too late. They were, you know, anti-change, anti-innovation, and you can't be that way anymore because our clients, first of all, clients don't even really want to hire us. Somebody really actually wants to hire an attorney. They hire us when something goes wrong. And so you have to already convince that person why you're the best person. And so you have to understand that our clients have way more options than before. We've got states deregulating what we do to allow non-attorneys to own law firms. So you really have to pivot or else you're not going to be able to do this anymore. Absolutely. So something keeps running through my mind. I want to make sure I ask it. Uh, With your immigration practice, you can serve clients that are nationwide, not only Mm -hmm. in Massachusetts, Yes, because immigration is federal. So you can do that with like IP law, immigration. There's a couple that it doesn't matter where you live. Okay. I want to make sure we we mention that. So if you're listening, you're in California, you're in Hawaii, you're in Illinois, (laughs) Bianca will still be able to assist you if you have an issue um, and something that she is well-versed in. So, all right, cool. So Bianca, I have one last question for you because this podcast Most of the listeners, about 70%, are new lawyers, so five years practicing or less, or law students. What would you say to them about how you can use your law degree? There are so many different ways to use your law degree, obviously, to practice law, but you can do so much. You can 
coach people. Like if you decide, you know, maybe you don't love lawyering, you want to help people be better at lawyering, you could totally do that. There are lawyers who are using their law degrees not to practice, but to help other lawyers get better at marketing because a lot of attorneys, they don't have this marketing thing down. So you can become a professor, you can teach, you can become a consultant. There are so many different things that you can do with your law license or your law degree if you don't end up becoming an attorney. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Bianca. You shared so much about not only immigration law, but how you can be yourself and attract the clients that are meant to be with you. So I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to You Are a Lawyer. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating, tell a friend about this podcast, and subscribe to the show so that you never miss a new episode. New episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Bye.